This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport brought to you by Upgrade Fitness. My name is Tony Kerr and with me for this one is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. How are you doing? Not too bad. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm being fueled by the cakes you've bought us. <laughs> very good of you. Yeah. Uh, still, you seem to be eating more than anyone else. Well, the I'll keep, yeah, keep popping up. I can't resist. <laughs> um, yeah, knocking on a bit now, but still very much in my uh, my batting prime. I was going to say, if you if you sort of start hitting the amount of runs of the, to match your age, you'll be quite happy next summer, won't you? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. As our mutual friend Luke uh, said to me, uh, he said, just one year older than Verat Coley and 50 centuries short. <laughs> So uh, there we go. Yeah, that's something to aspire to. Eh? Yeah, exactly, something to go for. Um, we'll see. Um, right enough about me. Uh, we've got a bit of a smorgasbord this week um, to tuck into uh, on the sporting front. Um, we'll talk golf, rugby, sailing as well. Um, with one of Guernsey's Island Games gold medalists on his way down under to compete um, at another level in a World Championships. We'll hear from Andy Bridgman on this week's show. Um, we'll also talk fantasy Formula One, uh, which has been a regular feature of the paper for many years, uh, and look ahead to what else is going on um, over the next few days uh, in local sports. Um, let's start with the golf, though, um, because, yeah, I don't know how many people are braving the courses uh, here at the moment. Um, Only those working on it rather than actually playing <laughs> yeah. on it, I think. Um, but, yeah, for, for one of our youngsters, uh, yeah, probably slightly more favourable conditions uh, down in Spain, which is where Jaden Tucknot, who is the CI Junior Champion, of course, this year, uh, is competing in the European Junior Open, um, which is pretty cool, following in the footsteps of Ollie Chedham um, from last year. I know you've been following his progress, Gareth. How's he getting on? He seems to be going really well, Tony. He's um, he's certainly um, impressing from tee to green out there. And uh, the format of the competition is you play four rounds and they take your best two scores from those rounds to make the cup for the final day sort of thing. And um, yeah, Jaden's managed to make the cup quite comfortably. Um, he's he's I think he was in the top 30 to make that. He, he actually rose up into about the top 15 after three days. So he's, um, he's obviously going well. I think uh, he's finding perhaps the greens out there a bit different to what you'd find at Langcrest. But um, it's, it's sort of all part of the experience and um, he, he he sort of takes those lessons on the chin and he learns from them very quickly. I mean, I think he spent, he, the other thing out there is he's spending sort of over five hours playing around, which in those sort of competitions, I suppose, is quite normal. But it's very different to if you're sort of going out on Langcrest with a friend and whipping around in less than three hours. So um, there's, a, there's a lot to learn from out there, but he is performing very well. Yeah, really good stuff from him. And uh, yeah, it continues over there. We'll um, obviously keep track of his progress and, and hopefully speak to him um, afterwards um but yeah really good effort let's move on to rugby it was a triple header down at footslane on saturday uh well in the footslane area <laughs> should i say um, because uh yeah St. jacks were bumped up to the osway uh campus having i think mown the grass which is about six foot long from uh, <laughs> uh from when it was last uh last used for rugby i do love the photos from there because it looks like proper kind of proper kind of uh club boot and braces it, it's literally grassroots rugby yeah. isn't it and um it's but it's a long way to get to the roots of that grass at the moment because it is it is quite thick but uh no uh, fair play to st jacks they um they were involved in a in the clash of the unbeaten sides in counties to hampshire up against basing soak and it's a really good win for them 
And uh, yeah, by all accounts, the conditions made it very much a game of two halves. And St. Jack's uh, got the lead they needed with the wind and at their backs and playing downhill in the first half and managed to hold on in the second half when Basingstoke um, came back at them. So it was a really good win for them. Yeah, fair play to them because, uh, yeah, obviously they have been winning. That winning run is now quite some time, is it quite a few months or years? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're getting probably close to about 20 months, I think, yeah. or something like that. Which is incredible. And uh, yeah, to, to keep going at it and, um, and, and coming through these tight, there's been the odd tight game hasn't there and you know with with getting shifted around in terms of matches and stuff um yeah really good focus and uh that bandwagon rolls on for sure um over at footstay though it was the raiders men and women in action of defeat for both sides on the day um including uh yeah very off-color display particularly for the men it's now four losses in a row and uh yeah as jordan reynolds told you afterwards he thinks they're being dragged into that relegation battle we seem very out of sorts today uh, i don't think it's today i think it's probably been us since talking uh, we've really struggled, and like you know, we, we need to fix we need to fix the part of our exits. And and again, in the first half, we just didn't get it right. Like we dropped a few balls, we we got charged down on boxes, and, and we we didn't kick a few that should have been out, and we we kept them in. And that happened last week. That's why we didn't win the game last week. Happened the week before against Barnes. Happened the week before. The last time we got it right was Worthing. I just think we're a little bit flustered around that. Like defensively, for about. 60 minutes we were really on top of them but um yeah th that's just a big part of it like you look in the second half of them that 10 just sat there launched it long that's all we had to do but we're just a little bit flustered at the moment about how we do that and it's probably because we're constantly talking about it and analyzing it and saying we've got to get this right so that's probably been felt by the players but um as i said to them um i don't it's hard to put in words really because I haven't seen us like this in a home game um, and, and we've got to try and mentally work out how we get out of this rut at the moment. I, mean, I won't say rut but we, I, I felt I felt today we, we probably got beaten at everything and I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. Even even when we played the best sides here like Blackheath there was a lot, there was, about, it was a 50-50 battle and I don't think it was today and that, that probably says a lot about where we are. And it's not everyone, you know, you've got guys like Dom out there killing guys for fun, um, but we're just not getting it across the park. I was going to say, for the first perhaps 20 minutes of the game, it was, it was a good battle. After, it was almost when they had a guy yellow carded, we seemed to lose our way more than they lost theirs. Yeah, I just think, um, when you look at that first half, it was a, a pretty big win going down the pitch, Canterbury into the win, and they spent literally the whole entire half in our 20. Uh, yeah, in our 20. And we only got down there once. Um, and that kind of just sums it up. If, you, if we can't kick down there, how are we going to get down there? So, um, and like I said, this is what happened at Worthing. We, we, we didn't exit well and, and we gave up 17 points. And, um, you know, today we, we gave 34 points up. And it's something we've got to fix. Um, and how we fix that, that's going to be the... That's going to be the debate. Obviously, it, from our box, we got charged down and, and out of hand at 10. Uh, it, it, it didn't come off as well as we would not like to. So we've got, we've got to find something that can get us back in the game. And um, you know, maybe it's try next week and we get to play with ball in hand. But uh, yeah, it's just something we've got to fix. And it's tough because, you know, I think we're giving the effort there, but we're just not getting uh, yeah. the rewards. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt anyone's effort today, for sure. Just um, At the start of the second half, it looked like you were perhaps trying to be a bit quite ambitious. I mean, was that a message to perhaps try and look to use the backs a bit in the second half? Yeah, so like at half-time, we said within the wind, uh, we could kick it away, but it hadn't worked for us. 
So we decided to run it. The issue was, as I said to the backs before, we didn't complete a uh, backline move until the last 15 minutes of the ga uh, game. So we probably overplayed. It would have been good if we just carried one a little bit further in and just kept building phases. But ultimately, yeah, we had to change our uh, our plan pretty pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I don't think that was the defining factor. I think probably that first half really killed us. And then just after that, it was just a, a, a slow death. Uh, Canterbury were very effective in what they did, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't do much. They just kicked chase and put us under pressure. Um, and, like, that's exactly what we were supposed to do today. And I just don't think, you know, we didn't kick well, we didn't pressure them well in those areas. And then we just defended. I think, you know, if I had to put a number on it, I think we're probably at the 140 mark tackle-wise. And that just shows how much possession they have because normally you would average it out at about 80 each. So quite a lot to work on now going into next week. Uh, yeah, I think... I think there is. I think we just got to get got to get mentally there. Um, obviously, losing Stevens didn't help today. We just got to get a little bit more mentally around around. It's not the how we do it. It's just you know be comfortable doing it. Um, and I just like like I think what you alluded to. We just didn't feel comfortable. We didn't look comfortable at all today. Just looked a little bit panicky around what we're doing. Um, and that's probably a little bit of their pressure and a little bit of our pressure on ourselves. Just snowballing what doesn't go ahead um, but like I said I think that probably puts us in a relegation battle now and maybe that will be the tide that turns us um, you know it'll be a really big week next week up at um, North Walsham we didn't beat them up there last season so uh, you know we've probably got a lot to look forward to but um, yeah it's going to be tough Jordan Reynolds speaking to you there, Gareth, after a 34-10 loss against Canterbury, who were one of the other sides in sort of mid-table going into the last couple of weeks. But yeah, a really sort of, I think off-colour is the only way to describe it. Yeah, they were very out of sorts, Tony. And um, apart from sort of like perhaps the opening quarter of the game where they, they made a decent start and got, their, got the opening try of the game through Lewis Hillier, a catch-and-drive try. Sort of after that, they didn't really offer an awful lot, and it was it's very strange for for Raiders to be like that. Um, let's be very honest about this: it, it was never through a lack of effort. Their, their defence was pretty good throughout the whole game, um, but by the end, it wasn't surprising that Canterbury were building a good score because Guernsey just couldn't get anything going on attack really at all. And uh, it for pretty much throughout the whole second half, it was a very unusual experience to be sat in the Garen Sand thinking we're not. We're not in this, you know. It was Guernsey were never really looking like they were going to threaten to pull off a, a sort of come from behind win by that stage, which is really, really rare. Um, you know, it's I don't think it's something to sort of really panic about, but there, there's sort of there's a recurring theme I think in a few of the uh, issues they're facing. I know Jordan keeps talking about um, they're they're exiting from sort of like their own twenty-two isn't going to plan at all. And they just need to iron out a few things. Um, they've got they've got plenty to offer an attack for sure, but they really just got to get that going as well. They um, they didn't manage to really put anything together against against Canterbury for pretty much the last hour of the game. Yeah, it's a long time, wasn't it? As you say, feeling like you're kind of wondering kind of yeah how they were going to get back in the side there were a lot of handling errors you know it wasn't ideal conditions but um so what, what did you reckon the new kit by the way because they uh, <laughs> they pulled it on for the first time on saturday it's got yellow stripes downside described as visually fit um it's kind of designed 
well, I suppose to make them slightly more eye-catching to each other when they're out there. Well, yeah, I, th I think it was perhaps the most unfortunate result to have when having the new kit. Um, yeah, apparently it's quite scientific-based, uh, the, the the yellow stripes down the side. I mean, sort of looking face-on, it's very much your, your traditional Guernsey kit in the in the green and white uh, stripes or hoops, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's got these like w yellow flashes, I suppose, down the side. And I, and I can understand that sort of... You know, when you're sort of uh, assessing your options, looking for a pass, you might see that a bit, a bit quicker. And um, but yeah, in in the way th that particular game went, it certainly didn't prove to be helpful to them because there were lots of passes being dropped. And uh, yeah, just hoping that perhaps as as winter progresses, we do get used to that and, and use more of that visually stimulating kit. <laughs> yeah, still getting to grips with it um, for sure. Uh, so that leaves Guernsey uh, well fourth from bottom in the table. Um, it's pretty tight, isn't it, around around them? So, I mean, it, you know, it, it's still obviously all to play for, still pretty early days in the season. Um, but a really big game coming up this weekend. They go to North Walsham, um, who are bottom of the table, uh, winless so far. But the nature of the trip has made the selection quite interesting, hasn't it? Yeah, speaking to um, Jordan Reynolds today for the team news ahead of that game. And because um, North Walsham are up in Norfolk and uh, it's not the easiest place to get to from here, um, it is actually like a two-night stay for Guernsey. It's, it, usually they go away, but it's, it's just a, a day trip. It's sort of like out on the red eye and back on the last flight at night. This one is a, is a longer trip. Um, and there's been a lot of changes in the team basically because of that. Um, there's a lot of unavailability. There's a couple of injuries last week, Sam uh, Sam. Stevenson uh, left the game in the first half and he didn't return. I think they they were they're going to give him as long as possible to be fit for this weekend, but it's not looking particularly hopeful. Uh, and also Carter Hackett picked up a, an injury last week to his shoulder. But a lot of the other changes are due to unavailability because of the the length of the trip. And um, I believe several of the the Raiders squad have got um, exams coming up in the near future, and they, they don't want to sort of like be giving up that much time this weekend um with with those on their uh, on their uh, radar so uh, there's a lot of changes going on quite a few of the St Jack's boys who have been very successful uh, will be featuring but it is still a strong squad and um, especially the back line fingers crossed it's a dry day in Norfolk and uh, if we can get the ball to the the Raiders back line then they should be able to cause trouble for North Walsham yeah could do with a win for sure um they've only got one home game uh, left before Christmas um that is against Barry St Edmunds on Friday the 8th of December December uh, half seven um, start that's going to be a, a cracking evening particularly if they can come back with uh, two wins from the away trips in between then as we say North Walsham this Saturday um, and a trip to Old Albanians um, the weekend after so um, yeah a big couple of weeks really for, for Raiders to, to get their season back on track um, as you say you can read full details of, of how they're shaping up for this weekend in Friday's paper Welcome back. Our thanks as ever to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show. Um, right, let's talk sailing. Gareth, fair to say, not something that either of us have got a huge amount of expertise in. No, I've been out on the water a few times, but that's, <laughs> that's on a ferry no, rather than a dinghy. Yeah, I like being on a boat with a beer in hand. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's been a really exciting um, couple of weeks ahead for um, one of Guernsey's leading sailors, Andy Bridgman, who of course won gold um, this summer in the Island Games. A fabulous week he had um, in home waters. Um, and in that competition, uh, BA's got a big opportunity over the next couple of weeks. He's heading down to Australia um, for the World Wasp Games. It's a slightly different prospect um, to the kind of racing that we saw um, here in the Little Russell this summer. Um, 
the boat he's in is, is a foiling boat, um, which is pretty fast. So uh, effectively, yeah, these these foils kind of lift the boat out the water, um, which does make it interesting. As Andy told me, um, if you uh, kind of misread uh, misread the, the waves and, and you kind of get things slightly wrong, if you do come to an abrupt halt, you tend to go flying quite a long way. Um, so it sounds like a really exciting form of racing. Um, as they say, he heads down uh, there uh, for the competition in December. And I caught up with him at the Yacht Club uh, as he was getting ready to head off. I'm taking part in the Wasp World Championship, so that's a high-performance foiling racing boat, um, which will be taking part in Australia in December. Awesome! And talk us uh, through the boat itself. Then, well, I mean, what, what does it look like? What, what's the uh, what's the kind of specifics of this uh, this kind of uh, challenge? If you like. So yeah, this boat is very different to the Island Games. So the Island Games is sailed on a sort of normal boat, which kind of pushes the water. Where this boat has foils, which means that the whole hull lifts out of the water. You remove all the drag, which limits the speed, and then you can go three times as quick, but you're still racing right close to other boats, and it's an incredibly exciting, really hard boat to sail, and um, it's kind of the future of sailing. Yeah, amazing. And how competitive do you expect it to be? And, and, and kind of, yeah, I mean, do you know at this point how you expect to measure up? Um, it's a really competitive uh, regatta. Um, this class isn't an Olympic class, but it has lots of sailors who um, will will potentially go on to the Olympics and are already full-time sailors. Um, so it's a really competitive class and people love this kind of kind of racing um, and it's just growing and growing. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it, do you think it's got the potential to be an Olympic sport at some point, an Olympic class? Yeah, it's um, it's almost certainly will, uh, whether that's in sort of six years or, or 15 years is, is who to know, whether it's in this exact boat or they make a slightly different version but very similar type of boat will almost certainly come into olympics yeah awesome and you mentioned the island games before um obviously that was a you know real uh, focus of the summer and you, you did so so well how much confidence do you take from from that experience that you kind of you know with that pressure on that you delivered in, a, in a, you know on a big stage oh the island games is incredible um you're going into that regatta i was thinking that i might be lucky to get into the top five um and, and you know i did manage to get some good training in beforehand and come away with the win and it was an incredible experience the local guernsey support was unreal nothing i've seen before was that good so it's, it's crazy is that um yeah i mean the fact that you were able to do it under pressure kind of on on home waters if you like is that good preparation for what you're doing now yeah um it really is um i mean racing at the top of the fleet's always really good preparation um and you know you're going into going into the world championships it's um it's 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 really good to know that you know that I've been able to win a regatta this year. Yeah, I know you're going down a little early to Australia to to kind of get acclimatised, I guess, get accustomed to to where you're going to be. I mean, just tell us about the the venue, the waters down there, the the kind of the experience you're going to have. Yeah, so um, it's in it's near Melbourne in Sorrento um, Sailing Club, and it's one of the best places to to do regattas in in Melbourne. And uh, the conditions are normally really good. Um, you can get a really varied type of conditions, some really, really, really windy days. And it's all about fitness and just slogging the boat around and some finesse days where it's just about keeping the boat on the foils. Um, if you pop off, then it's, it's really tricky. Um, so I'm heading down around the end of November, get a, get a few training weeks in before the, the world starts. Um, and that's kind of all thanks to uh, TICE, um, so the International Stock Exchange who sponsored the Island Games. Um, you know, without them, the event wouldn't have happened. And they're also sponsoring me to go out to the World Championship. So I've got to say a big thank you to them. Fantastic. And how hard have you been working in the build-up? Because I know you, you've been based or uh, sort of based for, for the time being over in England. Um, yeah, what, what's the preparation be like? 
Yeah, so I'm training in the UK at the moment with down in Weymouth, where uh, the other British sailing team sailors are based, and it means we can get out, race together, tune together, and just kind of do as best we can in preparation for the for our championships. Where does this event rank in terms of, or where will it rank in terms of the competitions that you've taken part in over the years? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the highest standard competitions uh, that I've done. Um, you know, really good sailors, professional sailors, lots of professional sailors taking part. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be really, really uh, intense, close, high quality racing. Um, and I, I can't wait. Um, this is my second World Championships in this class. Um, so I've got an idea of, of what it's all about and can't wait to, to get down there. And if you can do well in this one, I mean, is it a potential springboard to, to kind of furthering your sailing career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you, I know people that have uh, done well in this regatta before who have it's, it's, it's springboarded their, their sailing career in various ways, um, leading to things like uh, the, the top tier of sailing. So America's Cop and Sail GP, where um, it's the absolute pinnacle. Yeah. Is that something that's on your radar or uh, uh, yeah, among your ambitions? Oh, I'd love to, to race those boats. That's um, that's 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 another level. So you know, if I can do what I can to, to get up there, that would be incredible. Yeah, brilliant. And just finally, I mean, I, I know obviously you mentioned that you've been uh, over in Weymouth. Um, obviously, spent a lot of time on the water um, here around Guernsey. I mean, how good is this as a sort of base to to kind of to learn the craft of sailing and and, and sort of take it into a world championship mix? Oh, Guernsey's unreal. Um, yeah, it's quite a unique venue here. We have. Because of the, the 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 shape of the land and the winds that we get here, it means we get such a varied amount of conditions. Um, particularly in this boat, the difference between sailing in waves and flat water is is massive. And I think one of the things that sailing in Guernsey has helped is with is sort of being able to sail these boats in waves. They're incredibly hard boats to sail in waves because if the boat comes out of the water, out of the wave, then the, if the foil comes out of the wave, then you end up flying five meters through the air, crashing. Um, so just practicing in those sailing conditions. Is, is is so important and Guernsey's just such a great place to sail. I mean, there's there's a great sailing club here, great community and lots of people getting out on the water and that's just really good to see. Awesome. And uh, just finally, what, what does the, the competition itself look like? How will it kind of play out? Um, so the competition is over a week. So every day there's four races and there's a rest day in the middle. Um, obviously, for sailing, if there's bad weather, you might not get any racing in the day. So you might race on the rest day uh, to make up races. So there's a total of about sort of 24 races and um, there's kind of a qualifying series and a final series. Well, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Guernsey sailor Andy Bridgman speaking to me there. Uh, the very best of luck to him. We'll um, keep track of his progress, of course, um, in the pages of Guernsey Press and online as well. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, right, Gareth, let's have a look at what's going on this weekend then, because uh, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty busy diary. Yeah, there's a lot going on in, in a lot of a variety of sports. Um, the Ireland Swimming Championships take um, place at Samson's High throughout the weekend. There's five sessions of that, so um, that'll be fast and furious action. It's always a, one of the highlights of the year, the Ireland Championships. Ships. It's. Uh, I imagine there'll be a few records falling as usual. Uh, we've also got uh, the first uh, dinner boxing event of the season. We had the open show a couple of weeks ago at um, Beaux Jour, and we're um, hosting a whole select team on Friday night at St Pierre Park. So I think there's about 11 bouts on that card. So it'll be uh, another exciting night of action. I think uh, Tommy Tears is back as top of the bill for that. So um, there'll be a, there'll be some some good contests there. I'm sure. 
And then Saturday, like you say, we've got, uh, well, Vikings are actually back in action with uh, their rearranged game against United Services Portsmouth, which was postponed about a month ago. Um, uh, so that will be another big game for them. I think United Services has been going very well as well. So every week it seems that Vikings are playing a, a, a tough side. Um, at the same time, at uh, Delancey Park, we'll have the second round of the FMB cross-country series in the athletics. Um, and we've also got um, some more uh, important league hockey matches on throughout Saturday at uh, Foots Lane. And then going into Sunday, we've got uh, another cyclocross race in, in cycling up at the uh, uh, Merge Cross track. So, yeah, it's a pretty uh, varied selection of uh, sporting action this weekend. Yeah, it's going to keep us busy here at the press. Good to have Jamie Ingle back uh, from his uh, his travels. So uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be, uh, be racing around this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to give him a lot to do yeah. just, to, just to make up for his missing 10 days from work. That's what we want to hear. Um, before we finish, I just want to flag up something that's in Friday's paper, um, which you can read um, about the Fantasy F1 competition, which has been running in the press for, I don't know how many years, but... A long time. Well, we're we're talking pretty much near two decades. I was trying to I was trying to figure out when it actually started. And I, um, I I actually almost remember when Rob Batty's my predecessor as sports editor, took the phone call from Jamie Gadogger, who was basically offering us the the chance to publish a a fantasy Formula One competition, which he'd been I think he'd been running for just sort of like groups of friends or groups of sort of of, uh, of people of club members, and and he just thought it. it perhaps like a larger audience. And we're going back, I think it might have been about 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. And um, Rob said, yeah, we'd be interested in taking it on. And uh, through it, we'd raise some money for charity. That's why Jamie sort of offered to do it. And um, it's been going ever since. And it's been a really, really popular feature of the paper. It's um, It perhaps almost took us by surprise how popular it was going to be. Because to be brutally honest, uh, the sports department of the Games Press aren't huge into Formula One. We, we quite like our motorsport. But that's obviously we almost base it around back in the day, back around Andy Prio and the hill climbs. is now sort of evolved into Seprio and the hill climbs and karting and things like that. Um, but yeah, and every year we're absolutely amazed by the amount of entries we get, and it's it's raised thousands and thousands of pounds for charity thanks to Jamie Doggett's hard work. And uh, I'd like to thank him from 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 behalf of on the behalf of the Guernsey Press for for all the hours he's put in. Um, I think he's come up with a system now where once he's sort of logged in everyone's teams, it it, is, it sort of sorts itself out for for the twenty Grand Prix a season. Where the, yeah, I he bet has he loves to, the fact they keep adding Grand yeah, Prix. Yeah, I think when he started, it was probably more about a dozen Grand Prix, isn't it? We're now almost at one a week, it seems. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's been a really popular feature in the in the press. Jamie's done a terrific job in, in as organizer and um, and as sort of chief fundraiser, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, it'd be great if somebody was could sort of perhaps come forward and that, sort of take on that role because it, it has proved a, a really, really popular part of the press. Yeah, as you say, that's the the thrust of the the article in Friday's paper. Basically, a bit of an appeal to to someone to to um, to get involved and and keep it running. Um, because yeah, the the entries are fantastic and uh, it is all for very good causes. Um, and I think, as I understand it, there is a bit of setup each season to get the teams in. But once you uh, once you've got that done. It kind of, you know, it's a little bit each each kind of Grand Prix just to, to to put the results in, but it kind of looks after itself after that. Yeah, that's right. Um, I do remember quite early on when we first started publishing it, we used to get a few phone calls, um, sort of right near the start of the season, almost complaining that our deadline for the for the entries to be in was sort of two or three weeks before the start of the actual Grand Prix season. But the fact was that you need that time to get all those teams logged in and for the start of the competition. So that that was a deadline put on by Jamie Doggett himself, who who asked for that to be in. 
and uh, I, th- I think the, uh, the the people who uh, compete in or enter the competition sort of realise that now because um, they, they do sort of wait almost right up until deadline to try and find out as much information as possible. But they they do come in in, in huge numbers. I mean, we, I think there's about 447 teams in this year's competition. And and we always get a very sort of similar number around around the five hundred mark. So um, yeah, it, it's it's proved a, an endearing thing in the Guernsey press. Well, let's hope it continues. Do pick up a, a paper on Friday um, to hear um, from Jamie about uh, what's involved and, and why he's enjoyed doing it over the years and and how you can. Um yeah, perhaps give him a hand and, and take it on. So um, yeah, do get involved. Right, I think that's probably about it from us. Um, I'll leave it there. Uh, as ever, pick up a, a copy of the Guernsey Press for the very best local sports coverage um, six days a week and follow us online as well. At GSY Press Sport is the place to go on social media and guernseypress.com, um, our home online. So uh, yeah, thanks very much to Upgrade Fitness. Thanks very much, Gareth, and we'll see you later. Enjoy your birthday celebrations, Tony. Cheers. <laughs>